Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our Gospel reading from John chapter 2 with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of trade. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Friends, when you come to this place each week, whether online, in person, or in your vehicles, what is it that you hope to get from your God? Each of us who comes into his house to worship also carries with us a burden, a concern, a trouble, a doubt which needs address. Maybe some are small and some so small that you're not thinking of it, while others can be so big and overwhelming that you're barely able to focus on the words of the sermon today. But you see, whether your problems be big or small, the Lord knows that when he calls us to himself that we also come with a lot of baggage. We come with our politics, our pettiness, our addictions, our own false interpretations of Scripture, and our misconceptions about what it is that he offers us here in his word and sacraments. We often take his name in vain. We do not do as he commands. We do not love our neighbors as ourselves, and wouldn't you know it, we have a tendency not to check those behaviors at the door when we come into his house. We take all manners of worldliness stemming from our sinful and fallen behavior, and at our very best we may try to mask them with a smiling face each Sunday morning, or at worst, we might allow them to pervade our Sabbath rest and to undermine the gospel proclamation. We are, all of us, kind of like crummy house guests, and I'm guessing you know the kind if you've ever had them. We're like guests invited to a house party, if you can remember what house parties are like from those pre-COVID days, who take the invitation to make themselves at home just a little bit too literally. They put their feet on the couch. They complain about the temperature. They criticize your choice of music, and they offer their not-so-helpful pointers to jazz up your interior decorating. Or maybe worse, they might over-imbibe, becoming belligerent or outright hostile to their host, attacking them personally, and spurning their hospitality. This, I tell you, has been our posture regarding the third commandment. We have not remembered the Sabbath day, nor have we kept it holy. We have been like the livestock salesmen and the money changers from today's gospel reading, seeking to use the temple gathering as an opportunity to boost their fortunes and to bolster their own worldly standing. Oh, but pastor, that's kind of a false equivalency, don't you think? After all, how have I turned the Lord's house into a house of trade? I've never chiseled a member of this congregation. I've never promoted myself in the narthex after worship. And I've certainly never used my standing as a Christian for worldly gain. But friends, I invite you to consider how else you might have 
what else you might have promoted in this place. Have you ever, for instance, championed your personal politics when a neighbor needed you to point them to Christ? Have you ever wrestled with a scripture reading or perhaps a sermon because it did not fall in line with your worldview? Have you ever refused fellowship with a baptized brother or sister in Christ because their agenda was different from your agenda? If you've answered yes to any of these things, as I'm fairly certain we all have, then friends, it's time for a new agenda. It's time to clean house. It's time to do so in the very same way that we read about in our gospel reading for today, in a very hands-on, no-holds-barred sort of way. It's time for the gloves to come off and to make plain to the world that the sole rule and norm for our agenda in this Christian church is her Lord and Savior, who is its head. For if we are to call ourselves Christians, that is, little Christs, then it better be Christ and Christ alone whom we proclaim. Let no march, no movement, no rally, or any ridiculous, blasphemous, golden idol come between you and the call that your Lord has issued. When you answer that call to come to worship and to be fed from the pure spiritual milk of the Holy Scriptures, do not mix this true food offered here with the false leaven of any other house. I tell you, dear friends, you'll probably be left with an upset stomach, or maybe worse, you may develop a taste for worldliness in place of the gospel, and I tell you that that kind of diet will not nourish you. What's more, these sad pretenses of piety that the world puts on in the name of being woke or traditional or progressive or conservative or whatever other label you want to attach to it, I tell you, your God sees through them all. When our text for today ends, we hear that Jesus was able to look into the very hearts of those who gathered around him to see the mighty work that he was doing. But Jesus did not, on his part, entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. I ask you, does that not rightly terrify you? Does a God who knows everything in you and about you not fill you with such awe that you just want to pluck out all that worldliness that separates you from him? But alas, we are all sinners, and we all cling to worldly things. We let our pride and our politics and our power get in the way of what it is that our Lord desires for us. We cannot, on our own, as it were, keep a clean house. But fear not, for our God does not invite us to clean ourselves up and then to come to him when we're presentable. 
No, he invites us to come and to be made clean. Clean on the outside through the waters of holy baptism into Christ, clean from within by the eating and drinking of his body and blood. Christ Jesus gives us these things that we may be called righteous before our God. And so these things are the reasons that this church on earth comes together. So let there be no other. Now then, in light of these things that we have in Christ, what about those things we talked about before? What are we to do with all those worldly labels? Are we to cast them off entirely and to live apart from the world in our ivory towers until it is that Christ returns again in glory? Well, no. All of this is only to say that our life of faith needs to influence our life in the world and not the other way around. This is what I mean to all of you when I charge you to clean house. What is confessed here What is taught here and what is practiced here, I tell you, it's not just for here. It's for out there. The places that you go after you leave this place on Sunday morning. What that sign that you're seeing on your left as you exit the parking lot calls the mission field. Out there, you may have all different kinds of labels. You may very well be a salesman or a money changer, a brother, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a worker, a supervisor, a Democrat, or a Republican. Whatever labels you have, Christ gives you just one label, and it is the only one that truly matters. So go out from this congregation and be what he has called you to be. Be a Christian to your neighbor. Love them, serve them, and be as Christ to them in all that you say and do. And if you need to, yes, tie your own whip of cords, not literally, I hope, and clean house. Meaning, proclaim the law of God to your neighbors, living in open sin so that they might repent and receive forgiveness and reconciliation in Christ's name. For Christ himself did not come to Jerusalem only to drive sinners out of the temple, but he came to suffer and die on the cross so that they might be reconciled to God. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. This is what Jesus said about his death and resurrection, though they did not yet understand that this temple he spoke of this temple he spoke of was his body. And the temple he cleansed was but a mere shadow and illustration of the work which was still to be done. Christ's mission was not merely to tear down, but to build up. In his proclamation of the law, he leads lost sinners to the cross, where they might see his goodness and mercy on full display. From Calvary, your Lord calls you to take your eyes off the world and its vain pursuits, to look instead on his beaten and bloody frame crucified there for you. Draw your hearts and minds ever and only to Christ crucified 
and know that your sin has been atoned for, that he has made you his very own. Receive the free gift of life in his name, purchased and won for you by merit of his precious blood, spilt for tax collectors, for money changers, for prostitutes and sinners, the LGBT and BLM protesters, and the MAGA and Tea Partiers. Christ shed his blood for all of them, and he desires that they too would set their sights wholly on him. And so, this is our call, dear Christians. Be reconciled and preach Christ to one another, for it is his desire that all come to him and be made clean. Let his words be ever on your lips, that in all your thoughts, words, and deeds, in this house and in all houses, his good and gracious gifts may abound. In this world, and in the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.